0: From the Middle Tennessee Association of Realtors, you're listening to Tenants in Common. A podcast sharing stories, motivation, and insight into the real estate industry. And so you'll almost never hear me say, you should offer X. I don't even say you should, I don't even express you should offer X asking price or over or any, I say the exact same thing. I said every time you offer to the point where if you don't get it at that price, you're okay.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, it, and it has to be a partnership with, with, between the agent and the client. It's gotta be a partnership. Trust. You've had, you've had clients hire you and be like, all right, I hired you. You take care of me. I ain't doing nothing. You're doing it all. You know, that's not how it works. We've got to, this is a team, you know, you're the boss. I'm the expert. Mm-hmm. So you make the decision. I'm going to give you the guidelines. Now, if you start making decisions outside of my guidelines, now I'm going to start to wonder if this is a relationship I want to be in, right? Because you're not taking my advice. You're not going to do, you know, what I think is going to be necessary for you to get to your end goal. And so that's a, you know, and I'll, I'll ask my clients sometimes, hey, is it okay if I challenge you if I think it's in your best interest? Because I think most people see, Ooh, a, challenge a, most people like see a challenge. that's as a good question. Because most people see a challenge as like adversarial, question. right? Uh-huh. But if it's for your benefit because of my experience – and it's going to benefit. That's a you good know. question,
0: man. That is that uh, for anybody. That's an epic piece of advice right there. And that is that question right there probably could save a lot of people's relationships with their clients. Because sometimes it's like we'll know we're doing something or advising based on their best interest. But if they don't know and they don't have a hundred percent belief that that's the case, you get two you alphas. Complete, yeah, you, you get two alphas, man. The, <laughs> so asking that question up front. That's impressive. I've never even thought of that. That's a great one. Yeah. That's well, a great question. And
1: simply like in a listing appointment, I think it's important like when I walk through the house, I don't disparage the house or criticize the house in the listing appointment. I ask but them. once we're done, I'll go back and say, hey, before we go to market, can I walk through with a critical eye? Can I walk through and pretend like I'm a buyer and just see what I would see as a buyer? And if there's anything we can adjust that will prevent you from you know losing any money, would that be okay? And then it's like you get to role play a little bit. You know, here's the thing. We I was talking about this the other day, and I think it's interesting concept is you almost have to put yourself in what we do every day. You gotta be in a game.
0: Oh yeah. You
1: gotta be a player in a game. How you we were talking about washing the cars about how you dress, what you drive, how you present yourself. Everything is a part of your play, you know, your character Mm -hmm. in this game that we play, right? And the moment you come not prepared. You know, it's like if I was a plumber, you know, I would have plumbing equipment. I would have a really nice clean van out there and I'd have wrenches and, you know, I'd be prepared to go and be a plumber. And it's like as a realtor, it's amazing how unprepared we are at our job. We just, you know, so many people just approach it lackadaisically. They just show up. I mean, in my opinion, you know, everybody has their different, you know, the way they do things, but everything should be on purpose. The way you present yourself, what you do, the appointments you take, everything should be with a purpose, and and it should be planned out, right? And it's like I think what happens is this business seems all exciting to people because it's so different. Oh, it's different every day. It really shouldn't be that different every day. Actually, it should be relatively mundane. (laughs) Yes, it should. And the most successful agents have a very simple process, and you probably have a really tight process that most every day – now you have differences in your day because you can't control everything – But you have a pretty, you know, regimented way that you go about getting business so that you're not unsure of what you're doing. Right. You know, kind of if I do this activity, it produces this result.
0: Well, it's so much so that it's funny. My my wife will even it's it's almost become this like joke. She came to me a while back and she's like. You haven't been writing your affirmations in the morning, have you? And I guess that was her sort of nice way of saying that I was in a bad mood, like <laughs> for quite a few days in a row. Yeah. And uh, you know, but but your family even picks up on it when you become very regimented. You know, my family knows what my regimen is and what I do, and and you know where I'm going to be at certain times within reason. Like you said, once again, there's things we can't control. Things change. You know, all that stuff. You know, uh, you brought up a great point, and it was even the premise of my year as president. I have long been a believer of. Everything we do in life, in business, and everything, you can't equate it to a game. And the truth is, the people that are super successful, once again, with placing you know blame or placing you know a story to it, they'll be like, "Oh, they cheated."
1: Yeah, right.
0: But no, they didn't cheat. What they did is they understood, they read, and understood the rules to the game, and then turn around and use those rules to their advantage, because. There are rules in games. You play Monopoly. Play. There's always rules that some people don't quite realize because they never bothered to read the fine print on the rule. They read the broad spectrum of how you play this game. That's right. But the ones, if you look at super successful agents, I don't consider you necessarily a salesman. I don't consider myself a salesman. I'd actually say that's probably one of my lower quality traits as far as where I'm talented. I'm not a talented salesperson. I just understand this business very well, yep. and I utilize it to my advantage. I, I, I feel like you're probably somewhat in the same boat. I feel like most of the people that I consider top-tier agents and brokers are in that same exact yeah. boat. They're We're like
1: detectives. We find out what somebody wants, 100%. and then we work really hard to go get that for them. Yeah. And the moment that I'm not working to get what they want, that's when you start to hear that salesman come out. When I'm trying to sell – when I go for an oil change and I leave with a new car, which could happen – you know, I'm, I
0: guess that that's happened a couple times. I, I don't know why I would have that suspicion. anybody like, who hasn't followed his Facebook you, or Instagram, you'll know. But you so feel yeah. like
1: you've been sold, right? You know, you ever, you know, the car dealership, right? And your not, wife's probably when like, that "You're that not allowed mean. to get oil changes anymore. Can
0: we get the car that doesn't have oil in it?"
1: Like, like hey, I'm feeling a little vibration in the tire. Time to change the the car. Like,
0: yeah, like, the car, not the God tire. The car. God to change
1: the tire, you know. But but then you walk away with a red, you know sports car and you're like, what happened? I don't know what you happened. Got sold. And then the next day you're upset about it. You're not happy. Uh-uh. N- you know, they nobody ever wakes up the next day and like, oh, I'm sure glad I went in for the oil change and now I've got a nine hundred dollar a month car payment, right? That's being sold. And that's mm. never that never should happen in our business. i it does. Oh yeah. It does where people position people wrongly. They 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 push them through. And a lot of times it's we call it commission breath, right? You can smell commission breath. When somebody's looking desperation. And and, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Whenever you usually have really issues in a deal, a lot of times the problem is the agents have Interjected emotion into the deal, and a lot of times, why would an agent get emotional? Because it's our job not to be right. We're they've, facilitators they've hired of a contract, us not to be emotional. It's not my deal. It's not my house, right? Nope. It's my client. I like them, but I should be able to go in and negotiate the terms and never attack the person, right? When you usually see the emotion, it's usually for self gain or some other reason, right? Because I gotta have this deal because I can't pay my house note. And I'm gonna tell you, there were times in 2008, 2009, I needed a deal to close so we could pay our bills that month. But I never let that be a deciding factor in how I gave advice to that client. And that's the difference. You always got to have that client's best interest in mind. And when you have two agents that are working together, like you and I could be really work together well, buyer wants to buy, seller wants to sell, there should almost be no reason why a deal doesn't close that goes under contract, right? And not just
0: that, When you, you've seen it too. When you when you work with another uh Agent that has the right mindset, which is the fact that this is not our contract. We're not a party to it yeah. We are a facilitator of the contract. We just happen to be intermediaries for our parties of the contract and You know some of my biggest issues that I've had in this industry are where I get the most complaints is in situations where all I've done is interpret what the contract actually says yeah. but because unfortunately sometimes that will work to somebody's disadvantage or to somebody's detriment right. because they didn't follow on their side of it. That's right. You get labeled the bad guy. You don't have feelings yep. for them. And that's a lose-lose situation. You're never going to win a feelings battle. You're not. If you, you can't tell somebody how they're allowed to feel, so they're not worth having those battles. No. It's, like calling, it's like calling somebody's baby ugly. Right? Yeah. You, you're never going to win it, you know, and, and, and feeling battles. If someone, that's why if someone says, well, I feel this way. Okay. Yeah. And that's the end of the conversation for me because I can't, we can't debate your feelings. You're allowed to have your feelings. We can debate facts and we can debate contract language. We can't debate feelings. Nope. Nope. And that's part of the reason we really shouldn't have feelings in the thing. Like you said, we like our clients most of the time. I hope, I hope all agents like their clients. It, it does suck and I've had to do it where you work with somebody that you don't like. Yep. Or, or can't have a good relationship. Builders. I mean, you've worked with a lot of them. There's some out there that can be very, very complicated to work with. You know, I've been blessed to work with good ones. You've been blessed to work with good ones. And, you know, but you hear horror stories from yep. agents and you're like, oh, man, I'm glad I haven't had to do that before.
1: Well, and the difference when you're working with a builder, you know this, you know, when we work with a buyer or seller. It's someone that's just moving their family to another home. they got to sell the home. It's, it's an inconvenience, right? When you work with a builder, that's how they feed their family.
0: That's And it's so, way stricter.
1: So, yeah, so, so the, the the amount of pressure that's on an agent that represents the builder is way different than it is with a buyer or seller normally, right? So oh, 100%. It, it does change the way. The emotions are different. Because if those houses don't sell, now all of a sudden that's an income that's not coming in for a, for a builder, right? So how you go about, you know, transacting for that builder is, is different. And uh, I love new construction. You love new construction. Oh, yeah. I love new construction. I think it's great. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, it goes back to uh, and this is a good. And I, th- I don't think this conversation happens enough because I think there's a lot of people that, you know, I interview a lot of brand new agents. I had an agent the other day that, you know, interviewed and and basically it was like, "Well, I don't need classes. I don't want I'm a really smart person. I can figure it out." And I'm like, well, "I understand that, but I still go to classes. <laughs> I still go to conferences. Yeah. You know, the market has changed in the last 6 months to a degree had we not been paying attention, listening to thought leaders, listening to people that are, you know, I call it smart money and dumb money. Smart mm-hmm. money is people that are investing in the real estate market they're spending a lot of money to understand where's the market going? Where do we need to go? You look at these big REITs, you look at companies that are millions and millions of dollars in this market, you start to watch behavior and, and that's something to pay attention to, right? And I think a lot of times people will watch the news or they'll, you know, whatever, they're feeling their uncle or whatever they, you know, and they try they're to mailman. well then you end up stuck. Mm -hmm. with getting a listing and you've and you've not placed it properly on uh, on the market right but but I think it's important that we never start I heard a saying it says it's it's just the things that you learn after you know everything is important you know
0: the other one I love is uh it works so well you stop doing it
1: yeah (laughs) every time yeah
0: yeah and and I've even felt uh, fallen prey to that you know, like, like the example I gave with my wife, oh, you didn't, you haven't been writing your affirmations. Well, yeah, you know, you're feeling good. You don't, oh, you don't think you need to do them. But that's what got me. That was one piece of the puzzle that got me to this final picture, yeah. you know, and if you go remove a piece of the puzzle, the puzzle is not complete anymore.
1: Well, and it's like there's a recipe. So I've, I've, I've gone through a, a kind of a, a journey with my health. Um, and you know, did the seventy-five hard and then, you know, and someone post, so I posted my my progress picture right mm-hmm. at the end. And somebody, I'm glad he did it because you know, I'm the kind of guy like I I if you if you challenge me, it's never gonna go, oh, that makes me feel bad. I'm always gonna like, okay, that's not true. I'm gonna I'm gonna prove you wrong. That's that's the way I always look at everything. And he goes, Yeah, I wanna see what you look like seventy-five days from now.
0: I That's thought, awesome. Oh, though. it's own. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm glad oh, you challenge said accepted. that. Because
1: yeah. now, because what happens is most time people go through a challenge like that, and what do they do, yeah, I did it, man. Yeah, Finality. And then I'm back. And now in 30 days you're back to where you were because you, you didn't develop. And the point, and I thought the point was 75. Why is it 75? Because the studies show it's actually 66 days to form a habit. habit. And so what I was doing was I was starting to form habits. So then what I had to do at the end of that is what's my new challenge. I had to go and figure out what's my new challenge. I thought, how do I grow? How do I, you know, start to become the person physically that I want to be? It's like, all right, I'm going to go get a, a personal trainer because I'm not. Rondell. Yeah. We've well, had him on the show. Like, good Lord, man. Rondell's Oh, a he's niece, been here. Right? Yeah.
0: I, he, I worked out with him for a while. And like you said, it was never a matter of what Chris was, it was, it was not what I wanted Chris to do is what could I convince him to do that day? So yeah. that's thats what he said about me working out. So. And
1: you know, and I've worked out with some other people yeah, and I it's like when they, few, and sure. when they give me the workout, you know what I do that? Yeah. I never say, well, I don't want to do, I'm going to cherry, you know, I want to pick, but, and this is, I could just insert real estate into this, right? 100%. Same thing. I know exactly it's, where it's you're no going. no difference. You know, he writes my food programming and you know what I eat every day? exactly what's on that list I literally called him I, I didn't prepare today so I've I meal prepped all week and now it's, it's Friday so i you know it go, starts to get sparse on Friday you're out of chicken oh yeah you haven't gone back to the store so whatever, yeah. I was like all right I had to be here and I was like all right I normally eat six ounces of chicken and then a cup of sweet potatoes mm-hmm. that's my second meal then my third meal would be vegetables and and and, and some meat right so I had to go to Chipotle, and I was like, hey. Is it? So I text him. I could have just done it, but I texted him. Is it okay to eat brown rice instead of, I don't have to do that. You know, Can I cheat? Yeah. But what I want is I love the accountability. The rigidity
0: of it, though, yes. is a nice challenge,
1: too. And I ain't got to think about it. I just do it. And you know what? I'm starting to see my body fat percent. So it's like people, I think a lot of people, like, I want to lose weight. Like, I'm just gonna go do I'm gonna eat one day a week or I'm gonna eat one day a meal. I heard one guy I ate one meal a day. day. Yeah, the, the
0: the intermittent fasting with yeah. one meal a day. And I was like,
1: man, I would I can't sustain so I, I think can I sustain it?
0: And that's gotta sustained. be the first question. Same thing with real estate. Mm-hmm.
1: Is this something I can sustain? Is this something I can grow? Right? But it, it's the accountability is tough. It's hard. For someone, and especially in our business, because we're all what we're independent contractors, right? So we don't want somebody telling us what to do, because that's why we left our other job. We don't want nobody telling us what to do. But then you realize, okay, there's a recipe. Like, I've got this chocolate cake recipe, and I can give you the recipe. Like, this is award-winning, Chris. It, I mean, this thing has won awards. It's a, it's a wonderful cake. And you're like, man, I don't want all your rules and regulations. I'm making my chocolate cake how I want to make it right yeah. So you might get a chocolate cake mm-hmm. or you might not get a chocolate cake. Now, you know if you make that, you are You know what you're getting, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really what it comes down to. It's how much pain and suffering are you willing to go to or go through to, <laughs> to get to your goal. You
0: know? Well, and it's funny that you bring that up too because that's one of you uh – I know hire a lot of agents, new agents, and but you teach a lot of new agents, as I do. I, it's one of the things I'm actually truly passionate about. I love sharing wisdom, Longtime belief of, you know, you don't get to take it with you when you die, so why hoard it, you know, give it give it away. And, and I truly do love it, but you know, I'm a big lead generation person. You and I talked about this, it, it's funny because for all of our similarities, we have a lot of differences too. You talk about players in the game, we dress differently. We both have, driven. now it's always consistent, like you said, but it's different. You know, and, and, and the way we do business is a little bit different. I do a lot of lead generation. You do sphere of influence, you know, generated, still with lead generation aspects to it, just like lead generation has sphere of influence aspects to it. So they, they have a lot of overlap. And I'll teach everybody. I'll say, look, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. Maybe your way works, maybe it doesn't. The only one I can speak to is the one that I've perfected and have had success in and taught numerous other people to have success in. Because what I'll get a lot of times is like, I, I, you know, a list of 10 things here. Do these 10 things and you'll be good. And I don't even know what the list is now. I'm sure it's a lot more than 10. But do yeah. these 10 things and you'll be fine. Right. And they're like, well, you know, I really love the first three, but that fourth one, eh, I'm probably not going to do that. And then I love the last, you know, five. And and you're like, okay. But like you said, whatever it is, mine, I use the analogy of a picture, recipe, whatever it is. You take one piece away and it's not complete.
1: Yeah. And, and I don't need the baking soda.
0: Yeah. And right? if it's not complete, here's the thing. You're going to come to me. And you're going to say, hey, why am I not having success? I'm doing what you told me.
1: Why does my my cake taste funny?
0: Yeah. I'm like, well, no, you're doing part of what I told you. And so my answer every time you do that is going to be, well, until you add this back, I can't honestly give you an analyzation of what's going wrong in your industry or in your business because you're not doing all the things that I told you, now if you're doing all these things and something's going wrong, I can diagnose it because I can see where we need to go from here. But without doing all those things, you can't. One of the big mistakes I think a lot of people make in this industry, coming into this industry new, is every person you've probably ever talked to, at least I know for me, that's new, it's always, I wanted autonomy.
1: Yeah.
0: And I always laugh a little bit too with the whole like, I wanted more time with my family. And freedom. I'm like, you're still, freedom. you're changing careers. It's still a career. We still work, you know, a lot of times more than we worked in the, yeah. you know, in the corporate world. But you know, I wanted autonomy, and that's great, we should want autonomy. Mm-hmm. As human beings, I think as we develop, we want to be autonomous you know, in everything that we do. The thing that we need, and most people don't realize it, is we need accountability. Yes. You and I don't go to conventions and conferences just to network, that may be part of it. We're going there because it adds a level of accountability and comparison, which for me, comparison does do some accountability, You know, when I see other people in my industry achieving things that maybe I didn't think were feasible based on my parameters or my thought process of our industry. And they're like, man, that was a really cool idea They're on the cutting edge of something neat in real estate or in finance or in investment. You know, so you go to these places, you see these kind of things. Like you said, I still attend classes. You know, we're required to have whatever it is, 20, you know, CE hours, you know, for our license. I guarantee you, you never take just 20. No, I almost never take just 20. You know, it, it's always way further exceeded than that.
1: Well, it's like they're doing the motion, but they're not getting the result. And, and I'll give you a perfect example this morning. At 5 o'clock, I'm in the gym, right? And I'm doing incline bench press. Well, I'm, I've knocked out about 8. And they go, hey, your position's wrong. The way you're doing it, you're not actually using your chest muscle. I had it, I was up too high. Had I been at the house... I would have done all my reps. Oh, yeah, man, I worked out this morning, but I had no benefit because I didn't have accountability. And having somebody there saying, "Hey, wait a minute. Move that there." Like, "Oh, it just got harder." Right? Cuz it was more comfortable for me to do it.
0: Yeah. Here. Comfort usually means easier. It got and, harder and,
1: yeah. here now, but I'm now I'm engaging the muscle. Now I'm breaking and and it's just like in real estate, you have to you don't build muscle in the gym. You break it down. You you destroy it only to build it back up in the rest. So I think what happens is so many people are so afraid to be uncomfortable and people try to, to they, they, they'll gravitate toward comfort. Well, I don't like making calls. I'll, I really like this better. And what you realize is you never grow from a, a place of comfort. You never grow from a place of complacency. I've nev- the, my biggest growth periods in my life have been from places of extreme uncomfortability. Mm-hmm. I've put myself in positions where I was not comfortable and, and grew from that. I mean, just the safety course. Never done it. I mean, I could have easily just said no. I have a heart. I mean, my biggest problem is the word no hard, it's hard for that to come out of my mouth. So it's usually just, yes. He's like, hey, Chris, will you do it? Yeah, I'll try it. Like, well, do you know how to do it? Well, not really, but you know, I'm gonna figure it out. I don't feel comfortable. You know, I started jujitsu after I was 40. I, like, was I comfortable? Like, hey, you know. we're fixing to throw you. And I'm like, what?
0: No, you're not. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <You're>
1: <laughs> oh, no, I don't like this. You know, and you go in, and most people don't like looking stupid, right? But when you're forty plus and you go in as a white belt. And I'm looking down, and there's a there's a purple belt that's 17 years old. And guess what? I have to show her respect. I do not get to stand in front of her because I'm older than her. You know what I mean? And it, it she's showed achieved me a higher level. She's, because in there, she's, I have to respect her position because mm-hmm. she's earned it. And I thought I love that about uh, about martial arts, you know. But it's like in in this business, you know, even even kids these days, my kids, right? They want what we have now. They don't want to go oh, through well, th- we had the to process. Go through. And I think and I, and I lo- you made me think about something the way I've never thought about it before. It's like, yeah, we want autonomy. You do get autonomy eventually. Mm-hmm. But you have to put in three to five years of really, really hard work to get to a place where it starts to feed you. Right? And once it starts feeding you, now you're in control. I get to go to soccer games. I get to go travel. I get to do things. But it's still within a system. You can take all the vacations you want, but you'll get back to no business eventually if you don't have a system set up. You know, the four-hour work week, if you notice, that only works because he's really ahead of time put in
0: this extremely oh, so many complicated
1: hours. system and a lot of hours of work to get to a point. Where
0: and I think we should clarify that because you did talk earlier, you know, a professional business and, and you know, being able to say, I, I'm open during these hours. I'm not open 24 yeah. But what I think people do have to realize is you've earned that. You didn't do that from word one, and, and no new agent should. I've had new agents who it becomes highly complicated. Like I run a team, and therefore you know, I'm around my agents all the time, you know, especially on my team. All the time we're around each other. And you'll get that sometimes where it's, they see kind of what you do, and they, they want to immediately emulate that. And I do find that there is value in setting up your business for success and what it will be like later on. But you have to do it in segments. And I, I think one of the big ones is making the mistake. You know, and, and for that reason, I've actually had to change the way I even do business as far as my you know, operations side of things are concerned. Because I didn't want to set an unrealistic expectation for them as far as what they could do right now. You know, kind of thing. Yep. And, and that's, that is the key to it is, is you can get there. When people ask, like, well, how long does it take me to get there? How much are you going to put in? That's right. I can't answer that for you. It took me X number of years. Yeah. How many is it going to take you? If you want to do exactly what I did in, in the way the markets are right now compared to when I started, you should be, be able to do it faster. <laughs> Last time, and, and and trust me, I I am one of those ones who I want the next person to beat me. I Just like we want our kids to do better than us, we don't want our kids to do the same that we're doing. I feel like I fail if my kids do the same that I'm doing. They should do better than I yeah. do. Just like we wanted to do better than our parents did. <laughs> I think it's the same thing there. I want my agents to beat me. I want them to do it faster. I want them to do it better, quicker, get more. I want all of those things. Because in some ways for me, as someone who enjoys teaching, it shows some validity in the education process. So I, I want to touch on one more thing on the real estate side, and then I want to kind of go into, with the remaining time that we have, into the association side of things. Yeah. Um, because like I said, you are a big you know, driving force for me getting involved, and I, I know you are still very passionate about it. The last one on the real estate side is, is something that, uh, and another big reason I wanted you to be a part of the show with us today, is the, the idea of competition. Yeah. And you know, we're in an industry where there's natural competition built into it. Most of us in this industry enjoy competition. We feed on it, and that's an amazing thing. But there are times, and unfortunately, I see it almost happening more frequently, that it's becoming somewhat toxic. So I consider you a very high-performing professional broker, owner of a company. You've done great things. You and I have had a lot of very high-level conversations. Uh, For all outside onlookers, we are competitors, we're in the same market. Shoot, our offices are, you know, five minutes from each other. You know, we we potentially go after the same uh, development, same, you know, building clientele, all this kind of stuff. So, technically, we, we'd be considered competitors. But yet, and I want you to speak to this, we've also had gentleman understanding and agreements with agents, with you know, clientele, with everything. And we've never allowed any kind of competition to get in the way of furthering the relationship, the friendship, the, the, you know, the industry as a whole. So talk a little bit about that Not even just with us But just in general Like what what is your views on it In the in the industry What is your views on it In our area In Murfreesboro And surrounding counties Like what, do you, what are you thinking uh,
1: You know I'll tell you a story So I, I had a house I was going to list in, in Kingdom Ridge I had that neighborhood I was the, the listing agent Yeah in I lived right across the street neighborhood. For a long like, time Yeah So being in there Having my signs in there I would get a lot of Ancillary business So other people would come To the open house Or, or yeah kept A couple model open Like four days a week hmm. So we would have people come in So I ended up listing it was going to list a house for uh, uh somebody that lived in there already so I had the listing agreement we were going to go to market um someone found out that we were going to list the house and I get a call from that buyer and they were like hey we want the house can we come and look at it I was like yeah if you do it but before I put it on the market I'll, I'll talk to the seller but you know this would be without another agent if we do this deal right they're great. We just want the house, so we get in there. You know, show them the house. They love it. Well, I get a call from an agent, and the agent's like, "Man, I know you don't know me, Um, and and I don't, you know, I don't know what can can happen, but you know, this is this is literally my best friend. I, I was the best man in his wedding, and I'm a brand new agent, and I just didn't know if there was anything I could do. I've been working with him. I've shown him a bunch of houses, and now, I mean, apparently, you know, if, if you've got to do, do the deal, and I stopped, and I was like, you know what? No, I'm, I'm not, I, I put myself in his shoes, and I think, you know what, it's not worth the commission to create something between two people that would, you know, that would be a problem. And I said, man, I'm going to bring you in on the deal. Brought them in, and they end up buying the house, and I started a friendship with that agent that now, that agent is my professor at jiu-jitsu, and his client is my sensei at jiu-jitsu and runs uh, the karate school here. Um, and, and I think, you know, what if I would have been a jerk and not done it just for that little half of that commission? How how could that relationship change, and how how? grateful I am to have them as really really good friends now and I know it's just one story and I think it's it's easy to look at the short-sighted gain of the things that we do and I see that all the time and one of the things is is I'd never if I if I'm working a model you know you'll see it time and time again you're so afraid your client's going to go out and go to a new construction house and then all of a sudden they bought something and they're like hey if you don't use your agent we'll you know we'll cut here we'll do this right I was all, my policy was if you your client came in I would ask him hey who are you working with I'm working with Christopher Wilson it's like great hey I like Christopher he's a great I'm gonna I'm gonna support you I'm gonna say he's a yeah. great agent I love to work with Christopher I'll, you know and then when they left my house I called you. And I would say, hey Christopher, I just want to let you know Joe and Susie were in here and they really like this house. And I think
0: we actually had that occur on one occasion. <laughs> I, I I think I and, and actually that was one of the things that taught me. I started doing the same thing. I'd even let the person know, hey, I'll give your agent a call and let them know you stopped by. That way if you have any questions at all, they'll at least be aware of what you're talking about.
1: And you know what people don't realize is from now on. You'll tell people, hey, go see Chris. Mm-hmm. Go. I want to sell his houses. I want you to be a part of that. because." But what happens if the other way around, you'll never, you know, you have a fiduciary responsibility to your client, but you're not going to go out of your way to promote something, you know, when someone's done you in, in, a, in a way that's that's not fair. And it's like, you know, I, I think sometimes you yeah, had hurts and you feel like, man, I've lost. But I'll tell you, just taking the high road and always doing the right thing, I, you know, I just have a model that I don't like going and taking from you in order to win I, w- I want to go and grow what I'm growing and there's so much it's like that scarcity mindset mm-hmm. I think a lot of it comes out of the scarcity mindset rather than you know I want you to train them and then I want to go benefit off of them no I'd rather I'd rather bring somebody in that's 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 had success in another industry and then train them to be a great agent exactly. and I get a lot of satisfaction out of that mm-hmm. and then seeing them grow and win um, and that's just been my policy I know it's been your policy so I know it's like we're preaching into the choir but I think there, there should be a there could be a lot more of that in our industry and, I think
0: we would and here's the thing we're realists we're realists we know we have a very migratory industry people are going to leave you know the grass always looks greener on the other side especially to people who haven't experienced a modicum of success you know there once again there's a, a place of blame and it's never going to be that I didn't do what I was trained to do it's always going to be you know, well, they didn't offer what I needed or they didn't do this, that, or the other. Sure. And so people are going to uh, adjust. And I would, you know, I understand that. I'm a realist. You're going to leave. You're going to go somewhere else. But you and I, for a long time, have have openly said we don't recruit each other's agents. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've spoken uh, highly. You have an agent that I actually asked to be one of my chairs, you know, Julie Culp. And when people ask about it, they're like, well, she's kind of a newer agent. I said, yeah, but she's being trained by Chris Garrett. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, so you at she's least nice know they're and- being trained the right way and you can have you know so I through our relationship was able to develop a relationship there and and you know when she calls for a house or anything like that it's it this is a relationship game we have a fiduciary responsibility but it is a relationship game and I think the more people could understand that when we do something contractual we're not doing something personal and 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 it would help a lot of things and help develop those relationships further you know and make it easier because when you do get with somebody who has who does business the same way it's funny how little interaction you even have to have during the transaction and how smooth they go
1: i mean yeah you should be an easy agent to work with right Mm -hmm. it should be a smooth transaction because we should be good at our jobs We've set expectations on the seller side, you set expectations on the buyer side. We know the rules of the game, we understand the contract, we know what the contract says. The buyer actually knows what the contract says, the seller. I, you'd be surprised in the age of, of e signing.
0: How little how they're read.
1: little they're read mm-hmm. and and if you can send me a, a contract back in two and a half
0: minutes you didn't read you it. didn't read the contract <laughs> Not right? at all and so it's my <laughs>
1: job to go through and 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 make sure that that you understand and and that client understands what we're fixing to go through yeah and that way there's no point they're like whoa, whoa wait a minute I didn't you know I didn't sign that because there's one part of the contract it says. Once signed, it's as if you sat down and wrote it together, and that's mm-hmm. actually what it says. Yeah. Like you can't be like, "Hey, y'all snuck that in there." No, you. It's as if you wrote it together, and I think it segues kind of into association pretty well. Is is why is it important to be in association? Why would I waste time and run a bunch of agents? And I've heard that many times. Man, what are you doing? It's one of the Go biggest, biggest there, one of the biggest you complaints
0: doing? you know that you'll hear.
1: And and what you realize is. First of all, you're you're being even someone that's not having success early on. I'd say if you're not having success in real estate, you need to be more engaged. Mm-hmm. Go get on more committees. You know, feel your. I'd rather have my day filled up with committee meetings and and things like that than sitting around with nothing, right? Because you get around like energy is transferred, it's not created. You don't it? sit at home by yourself and just Oh, now I'm excited. I'm going to, you know, unless you're drinking Red Bull, right? But you get around other people and I get around you. Every time you and I get around, I, everything talk, gets amped up. I, yeah. When I leave, I'm like, I'm amped up. I'm ready to go kill something and drag it home, right? But I think that's the key is like, now when Julie calls you, you're like, oh, you're on my committee. You yeah. know? And it's the same thing when Julie calls another committee member or when I call another board member. I'm like, oh, wait, I know you from MTAR. So having that network and knowing you are actually becoming a better representative for your client because mm-hmm. you've taken the time to network and grow your sphere presence amongst the realtors in our market. So when you submit an offer, you, I mean I would sell that at a, you know, I would sell that at a, a listing presentation. Hey, I'm very involved in our in our association. They're like whoop dee doo, I don't care what what does that matter? Oh, and what that matters to you is I take a lot of time not only to understand what our markets, you know, what's happening in our market, but also networking with all the agents in our market. So whenever we're doing business, a lot of times I know the other agent and it makes the transaction go a lot smoother. Right. I mean, that's I don't 100%. know. I don't know a better commercial. Right. For, for no. And that
0: that is the case. I mean, that's the you know, it's why I got involved originally. It's you know, it's why I was excited when I got the opportunity to go into a leadership position and and kind of progress from there. Uh, you know, you, of course, have, have served on many different roles. You've, uh, you've been uh, president, you know, for this association. You've uh, chaired committees. I think you're actually going to be chairing our professional standards for Scott next year, if I remember correctly. So, you know, then on the state, you've been, you know, uh, DVP, uh, you know, chaired committees there, government affairs, which is really probably one of the biggest primary reasons why the state association is one hundred percent needed is the advocacy side of things, which you and I both have a passion for RPAC and government affairs. And uh, you know, so you chaired that. Um uh, if you if you want to talk about what's next? What what where 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 are you going from here?
1: You know, I I'm on RPAC trustee this year, uh Realtor of the Year committee. Um oh
0: that's right. You're the reigning Realtor of the Year oh, yeah. for Tennessee Realtors. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Got,
1: uh, I'm vice chair of the strategic thinking committee, so we actually set the strategic plan for the next three years for Tennessee Realtors. So I'll chair that committee next year. Um, You know, I'm just you know I just enjoy uh, having a part. It was kind of neat. I looked around; there was 19 people in the room, and I'm like, you know, that's how you get the most out of your association dues is you have a seat at the table and you're able to have a voice and to represent. You know the you know, the thousands of members that we have uh, across the state of Tennessee by by having a part in the, the plan for the future of, of Tennessee Realtors. And, you know, and what you realize is there's, there's all these forces coming down. You know, there's there's the Department of Justice lawsuits with NAR. There's, you know, we're constantly having pressure against our industry. Other people want to get into our industry and, and shake it up and change mm-hmm. it. Um, so, you know, that never goes away. And That's why you and I both agree that, that, that government affairs are so important is because it never goes away, and you can't build the defense after you've been attacked. You have to build the defense ahead of time. You got to feed it. That's why we, you know our pack is so important. Yep. You got to have the right elected leaders, and it's just buying a seat. You're never buying a vote. You're buying a seat at the table. You're you're keeping a a, a presence where people understand your position all the time, right? 100%. And then you're guarding because we we have the you know kind of distinction of not only guarding our industry but also guarding the clients that we have we're we're the only safeguard many times for onerous legislation that comes against our landlords our our owners our buyers and sellers private property rights we we are the 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 stop we're the you know the person in the door or the you know the association that's standing between legislation that would harm them And then being able to kick that back, and and we've been really successful through our lobbying. Russ Farrer and his team has done an amazing job of lobbying. I I think we've only lost maybe one bill um, in all the years that they've that they've represented us. So it's just yeah. And it was like I think it was the very first one he represented. Yeah, yeah, very 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 first first one he represented us on. But but we've had a you know. But I think we've built, and I think the problem, or not the problem. I think one of the the ways we've built the success is we've done it through coalitions and we've done it through people understanding and respecting that when we come with a position, it's not just a self-serving position. A lot of associations, it's like, what, how does it affect me? Right? So a lot of times we look at legislation like, Hey, this is how this affects our customer and our client. And this is how this affects the public. Cause that's really what's the most important. Right. And when we come to the table with that, I think people respect our position.
0: I agree. Okay, I think we're going to get to wrapping this up. We are definitely going to have to do this again. Uh, before we go, though, nobody gets out of here without a couple random questions. And so I'm going to hit you with some. One of these will be easy. You and I uh, are both part of a book club together, a men's uh, group that kind of met at a coffee shop and, and read you know, business or motivational style books. But if you could recommend uh, a couple books to you know agents out there, uh what are what are a couple of your favorites that you'd recommend to uh to whether it be new or experienced agents that would be great books for them to read?
1: You know, I'm reading a book right now and I'm ashamed to say I've never read it, and it's How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a great one. It was written 80 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's amazing how that book just describes how you should interact with people. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people could learn how to interact with people and that would help grow. I mean their their career will be amazing if they learn how to deal with people how to build rapport how to pay attention to what people are saying and another one I'm reading I'm reading it twice we did it in the book club it's called Crucial Conversations yep and I really like it because it starts to it, it lets me know what my weaknesses are, how I respond sometimes to things. Because like you know, we were talking about earlier, and that's it, you create that dialogue because you got to create that story in your head, and that drives how you react to conversations. And I I think, you know, how we you know at the end of the day, this really isn't about houses, is it? No. It's about people. And once you understand people, the houses just come along. That's that's that that's you know, that's the the medium that we use, but it's really relationships and people and how people work and understanding that and how to get them what they want. So that's two books that I'm reading that I, it's really changed how I look at things.
0: All right, last one. If you could have a billboard, giant billboard, everybody in the world would see it, what message would you put on there?
1: It had one word.
0: What's that? Act. Love it.
1: Act. I think we, we plan, we plan, we think, we scheme, we do. You just got to go do it. You got to just throw it against the wall and you go do it. And I think there'll be a lot more success in people's lives if they just act, just take something and run with it.
0: Love it. Well, I appreciate you coming. We're definitely gonna have to do this again. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thank you. It's fun always. Thank you for listening to tenants in common. Find out more about the association and upcoming events at www.mtar.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at mid TN real tours duplication or publication of this podcast is strictly prohibited without the written consent of the Middle Tennessee Association of Realtors. Until next time.